Book Seven, Chapter Two of Amelia, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Amelia, Volume Two by Henry Fielding. Book Seven, Chapter Two The Beginning of Mrs. Bennet's History i was the younger of two daughters of a clergyman in essex of one in whose praise if i should indulge my fond heart in speaking i think my invention could not outgo the reality he was indeed well worthy of the cloth he wore and that i think is the highest character a man can obtain during the first part of my life even till i reached my sixteenth year i can recollect nothing to relate to you all was one long serene day in looking back upon which as when we cast our eyes on a calm sea no object arises to my view all appears one scene of happiness and tranquillity on the day then when i became sixteen years old must i begin my history for on that day i first tasted the bitterness of sorrow my father besides those prescribed by our religion kept five festivals every year these were on his wedding day and on the birthday of each of his little family on these occasions he used to invite two or three neighbors to his house and to indulge himself as he said in great excess for he so called drinking a pint of very small punch and indeed it might appear excess to one who on other days rarely tasted any liquor stronger than small beer upon my unfortunate birthday then when we were all in a high degree of mirth my mother having left the room after dinner and staying away pretty long my father sent me to see for her i went according to his orders but though i searched the whole house and called after her without doors i could neither see nor hear her i was a little alarmed at this though far from suspecting any great mischief had befallen her and ran back to acquaint my father who answered coolly for he was a man of the calmest temper very well my dear i suppose she is not gone far and will be here immediately half an hour or more passed after this when she not returning my father himself expressed some surprise at her stay declaring it must be some matter of importance which could detain her at that time from her company his surprise now increased every minute and he began to grow uneasy and to show sufficient symptoms in his countenance of what he felt within he then dispatched the servant-maid to inquire after her mistress in the parish but waited not her return for she was scarce gone out of doors before he begged leave of his guest to go himself on the same errand the company now all broke up and attended my father all endeavouring to give him hopes that no mischief had happened they searched the whole parish but in vain they could neither see my mother nor hear news of her my father returned home in a state little short of distraction his friends in vain attempted to administer either advice or comfort he threw himself on the floor in the most bitter agonies of despair whilst he lay in this condition my sister and myself lying by him all equally i believe and completely miserable our old servant-maid came into the room and cried out her mind misgave her that she knew where her mistress was 
upon these words my father sprang from the floor and asked her eagerly where but oh mrs booth how can i describe the particulars of a scene to you the remembrance of which chills my blood with horror and which the agonies of my mind when it passed made all a scene of confusion the fact then in short was this my mother who was a most indulgent mistress to one servant which was all we kept was unwilling i suppose to disturb her at her dinner and therefore went herself to fill her tea-kettle at a well into which stretching herself too far as we imagine the water then being very low she fell with the tea-kettle in her hand the missing this gave the poor old wretch the first hint of her suspicion which upon examination was found to be too well grounded what we all suffered on this occasion may more easily be felt than described it may indeed answered amelia and i am so sensible of it that unless you have a mind to see me faint before your face i beg you will order me something a glass of water if you please mrs bennet immediately complied with her friend's request a glass of water was brought and some hartshorn drops infused into it which amelia having drank off declared she found herself much better and then mrs bennet proceeded thus i will not dwell on a scene which i see hath already so much affected your tender heart and which is as disagreeable to me to relate as it can be to you to hear i will therefore only mention to you the behaviour of my father on this occasion which was indeed becoming a philosopher and a christian divine on the day after my mother's funeral he sent for my sister and myself into his room where after many caresses and every demonstration of fatherly tenderness as well in silence as in words he began to exhort us to bear with patience the great calamity that had befallen us saying that as every human accident however terrible soever must happen to us by divine permission at least a due sense of our duty to our great creator must teach us an absolute submission to his will not only religion but common sense must teach us this for oh my dear children cries he how vain is all resistance or repining could tears wash back again my angel from the grave i should drain all the juices of my body through my eyes but oh could we fill up that cursed well with our tears how fruitless would be all our sorrow i think i repeat you his very words for the impression they made on me is never to be obliterated he then proceeded to comfort us with the cheerful thought that the loss was entirely his own and that my mother was greatly a gainer by the accident which we lamented i have a wife cries he my children and you have a mother now amongst the heavenly choir how selfish therefore is all our grief how cruel to her are all our wishes in this manner he talked to us near half an hour though i must frankly own to you his arguments had not the immediate good effect on us which they deserved for we retired from him very little the better for his exhortations however they became every day more and more forcible upon our recollection indeed they were greatly strengthened by his example for in this as in all other instances he practised the doctrines which he taught from this day he never mentioned my mother more and soon after recovered his usual cheerfulness in public though i have reason to think he paid many a bitter sigh in private 
to that remembrance which neither philosophy nor christianity could expunge my father's advice enforced by his example together with the kindness of some of our friends assisted by that ablest of all the mental physicians time in a few months pretty well restored my tranquillity when fortune made a second attack on my quiet my sister whom i dearly loved and who as warmly returned my affection had fallen into an ill state of health some time before the fatal accident which i have related she was indeed at that time so much better that we had great hopes of her perfect recovery but the disorders of the mind of that dreadful occasion so affected her body that she presently relapsed to her former declining state and thence grew continually worse and worse till after a decay of near seven months she followed my poor mother to the grave i will not tire you dear madam with repetitions of grief i will only mention two observations which have occurred to me from reflections on the two losses i have mentioned the first is that a mind once violently hurt grows as it were callous to any future impressions of grief and is never capable of feeling the same pangs a second time the other observation is that the arrows of fortune as well as all others derive their force from the velocity with which they were discharged for when they approach you by slow and perceptible degrees they have but very little power to do you mischief the truth of these observations i experienced not only in my own heart but in the behaviour of my father whose philosophy seemed to gain a complete triumph over this latter calamity our family was now reduced to two and my father grew extremely fond of me as if he had now conferred his entire stock of affection on me that had before been divided his words indeed testified no less for he daily called me his only darling his whole comfort his all he committed the whole charge of his house to my care and gave me the name of his little housekeeper an appellation of which i was then as proud as any minister of state can be of his titles but though i was very industrious in the discharge of my occupation i did not however neglect my studies in which i had made so great a proficiency that i was become a pretty good mistress of the latin language and had made some progress in the greek i believe madam i have formerly acquainted you that learning was the chief estate i inherited of my father in which he had instructed me from my earliest youth the kindness of this good man had at length wiped off the remembrance of all losses and i during two years led a life of great tranquillity i think i might almost say of perfect happiness i was now in the nineteenth year of my age when my father's good fortune removed us from the county of essex into hampshire where a living was conferred on him by one of his old schoolfellows of twice the value of what he was before possessed of his predecessor in this new living had died in very indifferent circumstances and had left behind him a widow with two small children my father therefore who with great economy had a most generous soul bought the whole furniture of the parsonage house at a very high price some of it indeed he would have wanted for though our little habitation in essex was most completely furnished yet it bore no proportion to the largeness of that house in which he was now to dwell his motive however to the purchase was i am convinced solely generosity which appeared sufficiently by the price he gave and may be farther enforced 
by the kindness he showed the widow in another instance for he assigned her an apartment for the use of herself and her little family which he told her she was welcome to enjoy as long as it suited her conveniency as this widow was very young and generally thought to be tolerably pretty though i own she had a cast with her eyes which i never liked my father you may suppose acted from a less noble principle than i have hinted but i must in justice acquit him for these kind offers were made her before he had seen her face and i have the greatest reason to think that for a long time after he had seen her he beheld her with much indifference this act of my father's gave me when i first heard it great satisfaction for i may at least with the modesty of the ancient philosophers call myself a lover of generosity but when i became acquainted with the widow i was still more delighted with what my father had done for though i could not agree with those who thought her a consummate beauty i must allow that she was very fully possessed of the power of making herself agreeable and this power she exerted with so much success with such indefatigable industry to oblige that within three months i became in the highest manner pleased with my new acquaintance and had contracted the most sincere friendship for her but if i was so pleased with the widow my father was by this time enamoured of her she had indeed by the most artful conduct in the world so insinuated herself into his favour so entirely infatuated him that he never showed the least marks of cheerfulness in her absence and could in truth scarce bear that she should be out of his sight she had managed this matter so well oh she is the most artful of women that my father's heart was gone before i ever suspected it was in danger the discovery you may easily believe madam was not pleasing the name of a mother-in-law sounded dreadful in my ears nor could i bear the thought of parting again with a share in those dear affections of which i had purchased the whole by the loss of a beloved mother and sister in the first hurry and disorder of my mind on this occasion i committed a crime of the highest kind against all the laws of prudence and discretion i took the young lady herself very roundly to task treated her designs on my father as little better than a design to commit a theft and in my passion i believe said she might be ashamed to think of marrying a man old enough to be her grandfather for so in reality he almost was the lady on this occasion acted finely the part of a hypocrite she affected to be highly affronted at my unjust suspicions as she called them and proceeded to such asseverations of her innocence that she almost brought me to discredit the evidence of my own eyes and ears my father however acted much more honestly for he fell the next day into a more violent passion with me than i had ever seen him in before and asked me whether i intended to return his paternal fondness by assuming the right of controlling his inclinations with more of the like kind which fully convinced me what had passed between him and the lady and how little i had injured her in my suspicions hitherto i frankly own my aversion to this match had been principally on my own account for i had no ill opinion of the woman though i thought neither her circumstances nor my father's age promised any kind of felicity from such a union but now i learnt some particulars which had not our quarrel become public in the parish i should perhaps have never known 
in short i was informed that this gentle obliging creature as she had at first appeared to me had the spirit of a tigress and was by many believed to have broken the heart of her first husband the truth of this matter being confirmed to me upon examination i resolved not to suppress it on this occasion fortune seemed to favour me by giving me a speedy opportunity of seeing my father alone and in good humour he now first began to open his intended marriage telling me that he had formerly had some religious objections to bigamy but he had very fully considered the matter and had satisfied himself of its legality he then faithfully promised me that no second marriage should in the least impair his affection for me and concluded with the highest eulogiums on the goodness of the widow protesting that it was her virtues and not her person with which he was enamoured i now fell upon my knees before him and bathing his hand in my tears which flowed very plentifully from my eyes acquainted him with all i had heard and was so very imprudent i might almost say so cruel to disclose the author of my information my father heard me without any indication of passion and answered coldly that if there was any proof of such facts he should decline any further thoughts of this match but child said he though i am far from suspecting the truth of what you tell me as far as regards your knowledge yet you know the inclination of the world to slander however before we parted he promised to make a proper inquiry into what i had told him but i ask your pardon dear madam i am running minutely into those particulars of my life in which you have not the least concern amelia stopped her friend short in her apology and though perhaps she thought her impertinent enough yet such was her good breeding she gave her many assurances of a curiosity to know every incident of her life which she could remember after which mrs bennet proceeded as in the next chapter end of book seven chapter two